Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And yes, we are going to talk about the trailer for the new season, Criminal Minds Evolution, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but that can wait till after we've talked. Wire in the Blood, season four, episode three. I'll never remember the title of this episode, so you might as well just say it. Oh, I can't remember it either. Don't Weird, ask. Weird, right? I can't remember the title of this episode. Religion something or other. Hole, hole in the heart. Hole That's in the Actually, yeah, that does make perfect sense for the episode. Hole in the heart is what it's called. Uh, all right. I'm going to say something bold here. I'm just going to make my position known right for the start. I'm not going to pretend to hide this or, you know, uh, twist something around. I, I love this episode. Oh, yeah. Beginning to end. This might be the best episode of wire in the blood so far this is a fantastic episode and it does it without having like a mystery to solve because spoiler alert if you didn't watch it yet it ain't hard to figure out once you once you realize these are religious sacrifices oh there's a bonkers american evangelical hanging around i wonder who the killer could be who could the killer be yeah oh my god uh (laughs) Leading to one of my favorite uh, lines in the episode. Uh, You know, again, spoiler alert. After the guy has killed himself in jail by swallowing chunks of a Bible, uh, he should have been on suicide watch. They shouldn't have let him out of a Bible. And then Tony's response that, you know, he never should have had a Bible in the first place. (laughs) He never should have had a Bible. Like, damn. This episode is amazing. It really is. Because, and it's because of, like, the the window we get into Tony. Yeah. Because if you ever wondered, why is he an atheist? Why is he the way he is? Like, there's this very beautiful explanation we get in his debates with the killer and with the guy whose life he's trying to save. Which is, he can't believe there's an easy answer to anything. Yeah. And at the core of his personality, that's it. That's why he could never be religious because he doesn't believe there's an easy answer. Like no matter what the question is, any of the big questions, anything about human nature, anything about good and evil, anything about the world, he doesn't believe, he can't believe that there's a simple answer. I'm like, damn, Tony, that's fantastic. That's why I identify with him. What the hell? I know, right? It's just, (laughs) there's no easy answers. You can't no, just point no to a thing. You can't it. point to a book and say, oh, well, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, this is the easy answer. Yeah. No, no, no. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this whole episode, and this is, I think, what I love so much of the episode is it 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 posits as the most evil thing imaginable and the scariest thing imaginable, people at peace. People with complete moral clarity and people who are at peace as the most threatening thing imaginable. Like people with soft, beatific smiles as nightmare monsters. Yeah, it's, a was, gr- it's a great episode no, of television. I mean, the way they put this together. Yeah, because you're already talking now at the About end. About the know. ending. Yeah, no, no, yeah, absolutely. Where, where you get the faces right, so that's of the various killers. Yeah. Where they do, where they show all of the modern killers rendered as Caravaggio paintings. That beautiful montage. We, I mean, I'm sorry, this is 
Like, I was blown away. I had not remembered this episode. And thank God I had forgotten it because it was like rewatching it for the, like watching it for the first time. And I was just blown away by how beautiful this episode was because it's brilliantly written. It's brilliantly acted. But it is like the visual presentation of this episode is on a level yeah. so far above what they normally do. And it's not that it's not a good looking show, but the show has a house style. And yeah. this one, it's like it's like when Matt Goobler makes an episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah. It's on a whole other level. And that's what this episode was for Wine the Bill. Okay, so I guess we should start where we let's <laughs> let's recap the episode before I start talking more about the themes and the beautiful artistic message of this episode. <laughs> but as you can tell, this one, this one just got to me. This one. Uh, well, got it, to it, me. it 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 just is. To me, and it's so sad, and it's so put together, oh. and it 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 just yeah explains itself yeah like you, so there's perfectly nothing in here that I'm going to complain about particularly at all yeah you know um there there were moments where it was a little it could have been better um. Yeah, Ex there are things that could, that could have been needed to be explained better. a little more clearly to people. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, um, and that. But in terms of the overall, wow episode, it's just a wow episode. It's just the same. It's just so mm -hmm. very, very sad. Oh no, it is. It is as sad an episode as we've seen. But I mean, it's, it's like I haven't cried in an episode of uh wire in the blood before this one but i watched this and i got teary-eyed at the ending because of how amazing that ending is yeah. oh tony poor tony oh poor tony uh but yeah so the end uh and again whoever wrote this episode the the way it opens and ends with the like it opens and ends at the same place in a way that isn't cloying or frustrating. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking about the ending. So it opens with Tony talking to a man about life and how do you keep going and how to face up to things. Right. And it's like, what do you do if you have no hope? What if you see no value in the world? And then after a bit of this conversation, we're like, Oh, he's a, this guy's going to kill himself. He's a jumper. And Tony has been brought in to talk him down. Tony's sitting on the on on the ledge, sitting on the ledge with him, because Tony's yep. got a death wish. Well, yeah, we always talk about. But we that. always, yeah, we've talked about that plenty of times. That's not that's not new information to no. say that Tony has a death wish. But yeah, Tony is consoling this man and he's talking to him, and he manages to say that at the end of the day, right you have to keep going because if you stop, you know, nothing can change if you kill yourself, yeah. you know, as long as there's life, there's change. As long as there's life, there's possibility that things can improve. You know, yeah. hopelessness doesn't get you anything. Hopelessness has never accomplished anything. I mean, it's a good speech. Like Tony's speech is really good. And it's believable that he convinces this man to get off the ledge. But then the man almost falls anyway, and we get, like, a big dramatic scare. Yeah. Yeah. And then we and then you find so, out that the guy doesn't want to die. Yeah. Exactly. That's what's, you know. That's what the kicker is. Die. 
He At didn't want to die. It's just he saw no hope. Yeah. Right. He saw no hope. And so he just didn't. He was doing something extreme. And he's just like, it is a cry for help. It is yeah. a cry for someone to fill the hole in his heart. Yeah. No, he doesn't use that term. At no, this but I'm, I'm using the, I'm using the title of the episode. Yeah. Right. And, uh, it, we, is, it is a, it is a, a meaning, uh, the issue of meaninglessness. Yeah, it is. It is like, because he does think he has succeeded. He has a successful career as a biochemical researcher, right? He's, he is at the top of his career. He's doing what is supposedly important work, but he just feels like what is any of it for? Right. And he, and he just, he's got no hope and he needs a reason. He needs yeah. he a needs reason. He needs a bigger to reason than just living. Exactly. And he needs a bigger reason than he can find cures for diseases. Yeah. And he needs a bigger reason. He just seems to feel like there's this void. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, makes him ripe. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get there. Uh, so we uh, check in on a uh, Masonic ritual. Yeah, that's so weird. Such a weird thing to jump over to. It's going to be important later because, but it's thematic, like it's plot relevant later, but yes. it's thematically relevant now because it's about meaning. It's about the systems you build to create meaning in your life. Even if that's a social club for rich white guys. <laughs> because like at the end of the powerful, right? Yeah. Oh, very powerful white guys. It's a social club for the upper class, right? Because there's, there's the church as one social club and there's the Masons as a different kind of social club. Well, because what's interesting. Yeah. The, but the Masons also, often, you know, to, uh, you know, it's different systems of power than the church basically. Well, well, here, here's the other thing though. Okay. Yeah. The Masons, the Ma because Endeavor did a whole that whole first season or second season dealt with mm -hmm. the Masons as well. And what the Masons will do is pick someone who is potentially going to be in a powerful position. And they will help them get there and they will owe them. Yeah. You know, and then so so they get them when they think that they might be willing to join and... And they give them the connections they need to help moving their career. They find people with potential and they shepherd them into positions of power. And yeah. if you know how the Masons work, it's perfectly obvious why uh, why Alex's boss is yeah. willing to cover for the judge. Because obviously this judge has been instrumental in his quick rise. Right now, the show never says that, but we know how the Masons work, and we know the subtext and all. Of well, it things. comes pretty close to saying that. Yeah, it comes very close to saying it. Well, but because sense. we do see him become a full fledged member, and it's the judge who's giving him the robe and the the nod yeah. and the making and running the oath. Yeah, yeah. So, but you're getting yeah, that is all of the visuals. Yeah, no, but that's all of the visual signifiers we need. Oh no, I know. I'm just I'm mentioning that yeah. the show is very good about explaining what the Masons are and how yeah. they function. It's one of the many good things about this episode because they are uh, they do talk about the Masons Masons as being you know a thing that is creepy and a thing that is a cult and a thing that seems yeah. somehow. Except Alex says, "Oh, they're not even not, yeah. not even important anymore." Exactly. Right. Right. Like, like, like most people, Tony's taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. Alex is just going, ah, you yeah. know, what, what do you mean the Masons? I know, right? What are you talking about the Masons? Yeah. 
you know. But Tony is right at pointing out that it's people yeah. need systems of belief. People need things to organize their beliefs around, their lives around. And the Masons is one of those things. Uh, and then we get our first uh, murder of the show. Oh, yes. Wow. They get called in. There's a fire. Uh, well, before we see the fire, we see a, so- a guy in a in a yeah. suit in a uh, an overcoat saying goodbye to this woman and saying that they're never going to see each other again. Oh and no that, no in a better pl- no th- no they are going to see one another. Later. Oh yes, but uh, you know what I mean. Yes, they'll they'll. But I should have said. But it's clear that they mean in a religious sense. Like it's cl- very clearly a goodbye oh, yeah. with a we're going to see each other again. Yes, I should have. Yes, um, yes. This is the last time we'll see each other on Earth. Is the vibe they're going for in this yes, scene? Yes. Yeah. So yes. just slow down because you love this. this oh, I love this episode so, so much. Anyway, you, are, you now have to. All right. Yeah, I will slow down. We'll we'll do it chronologically. There oh, is a fire. They go to investigate. A man has been burned alive while handcuffed to a bed. And yeah. another man has been burned alive sitting in a chair next to the bed. Yeah. And the guy is a property developer. And they're like, who on earth would kill this property? De- like, who would kill this property developer? And they find out that his wife and her boyfriend just stole two million pounds from him. And there was this legal battle happening. And so they think this must be. A lover, like a lover's quarrel, right? Uh, uh, After like the boyfriend and the the boyfriend and the wife, yes, no, but they both grab and uh, both of them deny being involved. Yeah, right, and both of them are saying that the other one must have done it, and there's no sign. But basically, the wife is saying uh, her husband uh, was, you know, going to waste all of this money on this new project that wouldn't go anywhere. He's going to drain all of our bank accounts. So I set the money aside because I'm going to divorce him. I didn't want him to be able to get rid of the money first, which, you know, completely sensible. You know, (laughs) I understand where she's coming from. Uh, and Tony doesn't like either of them because this is a really elaborate and unbelievably cruel murder to do Yeah, over a real estate deal. And who's the other guy? And money, so, yeah. yeah, and money, and then they find out the other guy is is, is, is accountant. Is, is is his accountant who is just retired? Yeah, right. His his accountant who just retired. And it's like, why would they kill the accountant? And yeah. if they killed the accountant, why was the husband tied up and the accountant wasn't tied up? Which is actually a really good question. And so Tony does his wonderful imagining himself as the victim thing that he does. And his conclusion is, I don't think the accountant was a victim. I think the accountant did this. I think this was a murder-suicide, and I think you're going to find out that he bought these uh, handcuffs. If you look into the handcuffs, because they find out right away in a nice bit of evidence gathering that these aren't like like police handcuffs. They're, as they say, sex shop handcuffs. You know, the kind of like cheap Chinese handcuffs you just buy in novelty stores and uh, sex shops and online. So they're like, we, I think you're going to find that. And they go and visit his widow who is confined to a wheelchair. She has multiple sclerosis. Yeah. And she got a diagnosis six months earlier and she has been confined to a wheelchair. And she doesn't say her husband, you know, she doesn't understand what her husband could have been involved in that got him murdered. Yeah. Uh, so she is not a huge help. 
<laughs> no, and she's just no. Well, no, he wasn't depressed. Yes, it was difficult, but we were handling it. Mm-hmm. She's all this sort of believing, yeah, that that is the case, and I'm, I'm sure that he put up a brave front in front of her. Exactly, and so you know, Tony wants to push her a little more, and Alex just pulls Tony out of there. Yeah, you know what? What were you going to do? <laughs> I know, right? What were you going to get out of this woman, right? Who is grieving the death of her husband. What do you think you're going to accomplish today? And it's a really good point. There's nothing. Nothing, Tony, except upset her even more. Exactly. So So they leave. They, so they, they leave, you know, and they find out about, and then they, they do get the revelation that he's the guy that bought the handcuffs. Yep. Because they get all the CCTV. They, yeah, they go to all of the sex shops and they find the one where he shows up and did, in fact, buy a set of handcuffs. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, Tony was right. He did it. But, and now we get the into autopsy the... autopsy finding has come back. And, and that the, uh, the, the, the... The burn victim had been drugged to yeah. make him compliant, had been drugged with Rohypnol to get him compliant and put in the bed. But crucially, the killer wasn't drugged. Like he, he, he did it himself. He pulled the chair over and sat there and watched him. And we get Tony's visualization of it. Oh. And he tries to persuade Alex that this is the case. She says, don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Until everything comes back and then it makes perfect okay. sense. But Maybe the fact what? is, as that the drug being used is rohypnol. So these guys are a lot. This guy was alive when he died. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do anything about it. But yeah. he was alive. He yeah. was so it was an exceptionally cruel way to kill somebody. And as Tony says, the, the, you know, a divorce thing. No, this is not going to happen. No. And what the interesting thing is, they find out his latest acquisition was, the latest, a, was a church. He's bought this church to redevelop it. And they go and they talk to the pastor in charge of the place. Who's like, you know, yeah, I mean, we don't have enough support and we can't, you know, it's, uh, we don't need the land anymore. So we're modernizing and we're selling the church. And like, he's not, he's not too sentimental about it. Oh, uh, but before we get that scene, Tony does, we do have a check-in with Tony and the guy who almost killed himself. Yes. Who is feeling, who, as he says, is feeling a lot better. Well, has, he's been seeing Tony. He has been seeing Tony because we do it. T- uh, yeah. The, there has been a time jump forward. Yeah. But he's been seeing Tony. Um, and Tony is, um, you know, been working with him yeah. therapeutically. And then we get this last episode where the guy says, well, I've, you know, I'm fine. I don't think I'm going to need to need come therapy anymore. anymore. Yeah. And I'm feeling good. And um, Tony correctly recognizes this as possibly the high of a manic episode of someone who is manic depressive, but there's nothing he can do except say, I am always here. I will always pick up the phone if you call me. Yeah. Like I am available if you need anything because Tony, Tony is a good therapist. He is. I don't know that he's a great therapist. I, I think he is a good therapist. I think he's good at listening. I think he's, and I think he's lo- good at letting people, letting people talk and letting people expose what they need. Well, for the most part, he is good. Yes, he is good at understanding that there is only so much people can do. I, yeah. And it's never easy 
And you have to find a therapist who is willing to go through the lengthy, yeah. the lengthy process. And that's what the kind of therapist Tony is, which is, from what I can see, yes, there's the crisis and mm-hmm. then there's the, okay. He does the follow-up work. You do the follow-up work. And then when you have to leave, he lets them go. You mm-hmm. don't insist that somebody do therapy when they're, nope. you know, and because if they're resistant there, that is a symptom, you know, yeah. it's, 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 and, uh, and that means you've hit something. So consolidate. Yeah. What you have to do is consolidate the gains you've made mm-hmm. and then you move and you move forward, but never think that if you have something in your background, in your childhood, that is highly traumatic. Yeah. Right, that you are ever going to find the answer in the first two years of therapy no. or in the first five years of therapy. Well, I mean, that's, uh, he spent, how many years did he spend with that woman trying to find out what those children were buried? Yeah. Like to make her figure out what part of her past, like they've always depicted him as a guy who is very realistic about therapy and very patient. Yeah. Oh. And most people don't understand that that is, and I think a lot of therapists don't even understand that it's a long-term process and you have to find someone that is willing to walk the long road. Yeah. And that's not easy. And people- and we're not going to get into a conversation about how much damage a bad therapist can do. That's a whole oh, other conversation. That. Go listen to the <laughs> Minds podcast. I know, right? Hours on that sort of thing. Let's get back to- But no, I'm just saying like lets- the depiction, he lets him go. And I just think it's important to note what an incredibly realistic and positive portrayal of therapy they are putting in this episode. Because it's, you don't see enough of it like this in there. Yeah, because and even we don't that, get enough from the therapist's point of view. Yeah, and Tony is, uh, you know, and then this guy is no, he doesn't think he needs to come back, but yeah. he does have another another appointment, which then sets some alarm bells off in Tony's head. But that comes later. And Tony talks with another teacher there who's teaching, you know, religious history. Yeah, and uh, he's an American. He's the killer. We already brought this up. Yeah. And, you know, they talk and Tony and he knows because Tony's talked about, uh, you know, because I think it was public knowledge that this guy tried in, to kill himself the student is in his class and the student is in his class of religious history. So they talk about him and Tony thinks he's getting better. Uh, but it's but he does very much have a to a certain extent, it's up to him kind of vibe, which is 100 percent true. Well, yeah. And that's that's what that's the big problem, the whole that. All people who do therapy <laughs> fall into mm-hmm. uh, I, that you think that you can make change and you can help and you have to have a supervisor yep. who can help you understand. And I'm not sure that Tony has a supervisor, no. which is problematic for Tony. Yeah. Um he d- he does self therapy. That's the big problem with Tony. Um, yeah. Well, again, we'll talk about Tony. I mean, we can get in back into Tony's control issues. Yeah. Well, it, you know, but it's it is it is very. This is a very interesting episode from that perspective, from the Tony perspective. And yeah. well, because, and what's interesting I mean, what is we don't find we don't find out. Yeah. Much in his back therapy. No. 
Well, what's I've interesting been... is back in season two, we had the woman who became too fixated on Tony, not yeah. the stalker, the the guy who's uh, the woman whose husband died, yeah. who at the same time was a coworker of Tony and could make therapeutic observations and make him look at himself because it was because he let his guard down because he thought he was being her therapist, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like his guard wasn't up because it wasn't, he didn't feel like someone was trying to turn him into a patient. So she was able to make these observations to him and point out to him what he was doing in a way that any therapist could have if Tony was willing to be that vulnerable. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's, um, but there's uh, some interesting stuff just in, in the one book I've started reading. I started reading from the beginning. So, oh, okay. And I was wrong last week. It wasn't every 10 years. The the books were about two or three years apart. And then okay. there was a gap at one point. Oh, okay. But anyway. Um, but, but yeah, the, so really, really yeah. good scene with him. Yeah. And the, like, really good with him uh, and the student. Just a fantastic scene. All yeah. right. And then we get to, spoiler alert, there's another murder. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Remember that guy who, uh, who, oh, uh, one thing we should mention before we get to who the next victim is. Um, Tony has a brief conversation with Alex about his, him being uncomfortable because she observes how uncomfortable all the religious stuff always makes him. Yeah. And it comes up that her son is going to like, she's got to go to church all the time because that was the only way to get, I mean, she's not a believer per se, but the best school in her area is a Christian school. Well, no, it's a, no, it, it's not even, it's very specifically, it's very clear. It's not a Christian school. It's an Anglican school. Yes, it's an Anglican school. It's an Anglican school. And therefore they have, you to have go. to be a member of the parish. If you want your kid to be going to the school. Yeah. So she so has that, to join up. So she shows up every Sunday, like clockwork. Cause she'll do anything for her kid. Yeah. And it's a very nice message. And the little boy is, is adorable. Yeah. Well, he's adorable. And, we get a l- couple of comments from him about, you know, uh, well, cause the, it comes up, it came up earlier, uh, that, you know, t- when Tony saved the guy's life and he said that like, well, you don't have to worry. Cause if somebody dies and they were good, you know, uh, their guardian and, the, angel. The angel will bring them to heaven. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. his and guardian t- angel would have saved him. Exactly. It would have been fine. And it's left. It's left at that point. Mm hmm. Right. It's left at that at the beginning point. Yeah. You don't understand that that's really what the little boy is saying um, until later, because the impression you get is the little boy is saying, well, he would have saved him. Yeah. But and later we find automatically out that think, well, yeah, he would have saved him from the fall dying. Right. But really, the kid is talking about saving his soul and yeah, carrying right? him up to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And the kid and the and he doesn't say that either. No, so. no, that doesn't come. Yeah. That comes up till later. That comes up later. Yeah. You know, the, there's everything is intertwined. We're talking about it because Dan has become so enamored of this episode. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. I think this might be the best episode. Like, it's going to be hard to top in the next two seasons. Yeah. There's and- only eight. Epi- there's only nine episodes left and the movie. And if you don't know what we mean by the movie, Tony Hill went to America one time and it's quite an episode. Yes, well, but yeah, it's the only one that's not, um, you know, broken into two parts for airing where it originally aired. It was like Wire in the Blood, the movie, and it aired between season five and season six. 
All right. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so now we get the second second victim, and it's the the bishop. Yep, the bishop responsible for selling the church. The bishop responsible for selling the church because it's going to be turned into a nightclub. Yep. I, I mean, that's the other point. You see, where we're kind of it. The big point in this was that that this developer was going to turn that church into a nightclub. Now they would have de- done a whole ceremony a whole ritual yeah. of deconsecration. Yeah. So this isn't going to be a sacrilege. This isn't going to be an issue mm-hmm. as far as the Anglican church is concerned. We still have, I mean, even churches here in the way that you decommission military bases, yeah. right? You sacralized yeah you and then they can be bought and they can be used for whatever they want to use them there are plenty of churches in you know in the world well i was just gonna say in toronto there's a bunch that have been turned into like condos which is creepy and weird but here we are like i don't know if i'd live in an old church but they leave the facade up that's what i'm saying and then there's condos behind it yeah it's very weird some trend. very nice condos too. They're, I'm not saying they're not condos. I'm saying it's weird the way they leave the facades up. Yeah, well, well, it looks kind of well. It's to give it, you yeah, know, it's to give, it makes it look classy. I'm not. And gonna plus, argue with you on that. It, no, and plus, in some places, it might be because of the Heritage Act. That's true. You have to actually, yeah. you can't change the exterior. You can do what you want to the interior, but you can't change the exterior. We had some real drama here in Ottawa where if um, I live in Ottawa, it's the nation's capital. And we had a bit of drama the (laughs) past winter when a bunch of right wing creeps showed up and occupied the center of the city. Uh, Real, real dirtbag waste of space people like just just scumbags in every sense. Uh, I've got nothing nice to say about them. But uh, guys affiliated with them wanted to send up a permanent protest location by renting an old church and turning it into like their permanent living headquarters space. And then they didn't pay the rent. And then they didn't pay the rent, which was like, okay, guys. You have to go. And then they said, well, we're being persecuted because they're kicking us out. You didn't pay the rent. Yeah. Like, yeah, everyone who lives downtown was pissed at you for constantly harassing people and defacing gay pride stuff and putting up hate signs, but they didn't do anything because, you know, freedom of speech until you'd stopped paying the rent. But you got to remember, these are these are conservatives. So everything they do is just whiny victim culture crap. Well, it was it was it was interesting. I mean, I just thought it was interesting. Plus, people, even though the church was you know had been desacralized yeah people were you know the people who who at one point or another were involved with that church were not very happy yeah the people who used to be there uh seeing it turned into like a headquarters for a hate group they weren't super psyched about it no No. but there was nothing they could do because it was a privately owned building now it'd been deconsecrated it wasn't church property yeah but yeah, so, like there were a lot of there were a lot of hurt feelings. I yes, think we, quite understandably. We have a school, yeah, that has been decommissioned. Oh, decommissioned. That 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 our right wing, even in Sault Ste. Marie, you know, and it, it's causing all sorts of Ugh. on and off problems. I think it's calmed down a little bit the That's further good. away we get from the convoy and from COVID. Yeah, it seems to have calmed down a little bit, but that it, it's it was not police that ended up there more than once yeah and um anyway it's um but i i don't know all the details because i didn't 
care enough to know all the details. Yeah. Except that it was a problem because one of the people I work with lived in that neighborhood, right? And mm-hmm. lived actually a door or two doors down from that school. And it was a problem. In yeah. That I'm not surprised. So, you know, it's, um, but so we're, so they're going to church this in and, and the, the bishop is. Um, Has been crucified. Well, not crucified, but uh, tied to a. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, and it's, it's uh, brutal. Yeah, uh, his uh, he has been tied to this post and had seven nails thrust into him. Yes, and in his eyes, and his eyes tied open, and oh, oh God! And it turns out, of course, it's this woman who has hung herself from the bell rope. Yeah, from the from bell the bell rope. rope. So the bell, as her body is well, in the church, like you know, yeah. in like uh, right. And what's interesting is then they're like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. This ceremony looks weird. Seven knives, bells. There's cups around, and they start thinking about you know other cults and how close this is to Freemason stuff. Well, it, it well they start talking about sort of cults, but in and then it, no, it takes a while for Tony to. S- it's yeah, not at yeah. this point. It's not immediately. It's not immediate. They start looking through and, you know, somebody says there's th- there was something left in both places. Yeah. They have these things that are left and there's there's these Bibles and this is all very religious culty, right? Yeah. And it's trying to figure out what exactly what, is the belief that is underpinning this? Yeah, what is going on here, right? And the woman who killed herself was a uh, sex worker who had recently gotten out of jail. jail. Yeah. yeah, who had recently got out of jail. She'd gotten herself clean. Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah, gotten out of jail, and they go check with a judge involved in the case... Isn't that how they get to the judge? I'm trying to remember. How did we get to the judge? Hmm. No, no, no. They don't get the judge judge because of the case. We don't get to the judge until he's killed. No, we get, no. They go see the judge before he, no, no. This is where they think of the Freemason connection because they go to see the judge because he's the head of the Freemasons. Yep. No, they did. It's the card they left, uh, the thing they left, and the seven daggers make them say, could this be a guy who's gone nuts with Freemason? No, it's the type that they're using, the type of little signs that they, that they were used to put the daggers in or to yes. put the, the needles the, in the pins. The and they in. were all yeah. structured up. And they go. And they the, stabbed. And the final stab was with two um, compasses. Yes. Which are the sign of the Freemason. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember it. And so they go to talk to the local <laughs> head of the Freemasons to yeah. find out what's going on with that. And uh, and yes, it's the guy who we saw putting Alex's, like raising up Alex's boss to the highest level of yeah. Freemason. It's the same guy. And yeah. so he's like, it's just a social club. Don't take it though seriously. We don't do, we don't sacrifice people for revealing our secrets. That's just something we say. Yeah. And, and no, not- noticeably he goes to, Alex's boss. Yep. And, and says, tells, tells I, him I, to keep her in line. Yeah. And I don't want to hear about this again to the boss. And so the boss goes and, you know, goes to Alex and says, you can't be harassing this man. Not only is he, you know, uh, big in the social scene, he's literally a judge. So we, the cops can't be pissing off a judge, which, you know, okay. Like the boss is doing it because 
he's getting a favor pulled, but he also, it manages to be like, yeah, okay, you can't be pissing off a judge. I understand why you would say that. Uh, like he, he manages to make it quite a plausible reason, even it, though we see his strings being pulled. So again, another really good scene. Yeah. Yeah. Really good scene because we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They still don't know what's going on, yeah. but they start looking at sort of violent religious images. Yes. Oh, and, uh, this is the scene where his, uh, mm. but his patient, the student has not shown up for the next therapy. Yeah. And he goes to visit his flat and he finds out that he has left the flat and the lady given. living next to him has accepted a bunch of gifts from him because he's been giving away all of his property. All of his property. Which is a real bad sign that someone is about to kill themselves. Yep. And the person's like, he seems so happy. And Tony's like, yeah, because he doesn't think he has any more problems to deal with because he's going to kill himself. Yes. This and is a sure sign. When you have someone who's been depressed and the rest of it, and all of a sudden they're happy and pulled together and yeah. everything right at the end, it's usually because they've made the final decision. Mm-hmm. There's no more doubt in their minds. And yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. it's again, and they also very they also, good, very good description of therapy, very good psychological insight. Criminal Minds mentioned this once. Yeah. 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 It does uh, every it now is. and then. It's a good Never insight mind. in criminal. No, I'm just. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna say criminal minds got this wrong. Criminal minds no. in the guy who was killing people and making it look like suicides made this observation perfectly. Like they really did. And uh, we and we definitely. Um, we probably mentioned that at the time. Oh, we would no. We, we I'm we, sure we didn't well, criticize them. I'm sure we called them out for doing a good job. No. Yes. Once. Once. Whenever they do a good job, we, say <laughs> we so. definitely mention it. All right. Uh, so yes, let's. Um, so, but yeah. So now, but Tony. Remember, and by the way, the, the thread they do through this whole episode <laughs> is such a good job. Anyway, continue. They've also gone. <laughs> we forgot they've gone to the the girl's apartment. Yep. Right, and they found this card. Like it's it's a stark apartment. There's mm-hmm. nothing in it. But... It's completely Spartan. There is no. Yeah, there is no decoration. Postcard. There's no. Yeah. There's a postcard, and on the back of the postcard is written Rapture. Yeah. That's all. And that is the, uh, and that, I mean, again, and then they start talking about what the Rapture is. Yeah. And they talk to a priest about it. Uh, And of course, you and I know that means, oh, this is the American church. Because the belief in the Rapture is not a giant thing in England. I mean, it started there, started in Scotland. It started with the Schofield Bible, but it is very much an American evangelical tradition. Yes, that's where it really developed. Took, took off its, you know, took 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 off with a bang. <laughs> well, I would say took root as a parasite <laughs> as a parasitic vine on the American church, but that's yeah. A, for sure. That's another conversation. There's there are two things destroying the Christian church in America. One is capitalism and the other is premillennial dispensationalism. Yeah, premillennial dispensationalism. Just Love it. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, don't even ask, look it up if you want. To. If you want to look it up, it's this way episode. too much for us to get into. But it's why we knew us knowing about this is why we knew the American religious studies guy was the villain immediately. Had if you be. didn't know the first time you saw him, the second the word rapture comes up, you know right away. Because this is American, American crap. No, he teaches art history. Yeah, but... he teaches art history, but it's all with a religious, you know. Mm. 
Yeah, well, art history, if you're going to do medieval art history, it's all the history of religion, too. That's just that's just what they painted. They painted rich men's mistresses and they painted scenes from the Bible. And that's the entirety of medieval art history. Oh, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) Try to tell me I'm wrong. But anyway. (laughs) Or Rembrandt did self-portraits, but that's... Rembrandt, yes, and we all know about the Nightwatch. That's technically high-medieval. That's high-medieval. That's high-medieval or the Reformation period, post-Reformation period, blah, blah, blah. Never mind. We're We're not not getting... This is not an art history podcast. (laughs) I mean, we do. I mean, we do get into that from time to time because of how, you know, our famous love of divergence from what we're supposed to be talking about. Uh Uh, We do love to digress, yes. Okay, no, no, because all you have to do is look at um, the one where um, Kevin Spacey is the villain. Oh, yeah, yeah, a seven, 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 yeah. All you have to do, go back to seven, you know, that'll that'll get you there. Yeah, exactly. Um, And um, the idea of church and sin and punishment and, you know. This is a real twist. This is. This one. The rapture one. This one is a real, what they, what, what they discover because Kevin sees a couple of these things and he says, oh, that's Saint whatever. Has turned up at all of the. Like, no, well, there's different, but this, no, it's not one saint. It's yeah. different saints. Yeah, it all it, looks like these various saints. You have this one saint and he says, oh, that's Saint so-and-so. And, um, but because they find that at one of the victim's places. Yeah, and they identify the saint and then they look at how did that saint die because the passion of these various saints is something that's painted over and over again. They're like the two murders we've had. The, well, they, well, no, first they find the first one. Yeah. Okay, they find the, the guy, first one. Wait, he's a martyr. Yeah, a martyr. Okay, see, it's, it's worse than just being a saint. Yeah. This is a martyr. Mm-hmm. And because now here, because this is what gets gets it's people a who little are complicated. Yeah, it is, yes. Because yes, they're saints, but he was a martyr. Yeah. And and um, so Tony finds that you find the picture of his martyrdom, and oh Lord, it's exactly what has happened to the bishop. Yep. And then and then um, then they go and find another martyr looking. who was burned alive. Yeah, burned alive. They find another martyr. Yep. Who had been turned into a saint. Now, what gets confusing if you don't understand this, because these, it turns out, of course, these are all bad guys who are paying for their sins, is yeah. what they have thought, except that they're being given martyrs' deaths. They're being given martyrs' deaths. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you explain that? Because the initial assumption would be, that they had been killed by this religious group because they had committed sins. And that discussion was happening. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're going, but they're martyrs. Okay. So it definitely complicates things. It complicates, it complicates how you're going to understand why they were doing this. And then we move to the judge. Yeah. And And we move to the judge and, the judge, of course, uses rent voice. And in fact, essentially recruits them yes. by like uh, giving them a pass, you know, a, like, light sen- yeah. a light sentence to recruit them. And so we see one of his rent boys show up and cut the rent his head boy off. Kills him. 
And cuts like, not right off. away, though. No, not right away. Not right away. You know, yeah. you can see how, and he wants, and he feel, and he has supper with him, yep. and, and then he wants, him the and Red Boy wants to go have a bath. Yep. And then the next thing we see, right, is the judge's head on a platter. Yep. And later on, of course, at the end, we we see all of these the people who have committed the murders at the end. So we'll get to that when we get to that. But right now, all you see. And then, and then Tony says, yeah, that's John the Baptist. Which makes the rent boy Salome. Yeah. Which makes the <laughs> rent boy Salome. Right. Yeah. And Tony's going to like, like they didn't know because yeah. the guy, and that's when they find out that there had been um, another, a robbery about a year before. Mm-hmm. Um, they found out yeah. about the robbery and the, uh, essentially the judge had hired a rent boy and, uh, it had turned violent in one way or another and robbed and the cop covered it up. Uh, no, it didn't turn. The guy oh, had done it, had, yes. no, the yes. guy overdosed on heroin. That's it. He, he, heard it. he overdosed on heroin and they made it look like he had broken in to steal things and overdosed on heroin. And it was not a sexual assignation where the guy, uh, uh, overdosed on heroin and their boss had covered it up, but the boss doesn't admit this yet. And well, he doesn't no, 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 no. Keep it slow because right now they just, they just, rem somebody mentions another cop mentions about how there'd been a robbery there. Yeah. And they the find before. out. Yeah. So Alex says to, to, to her team, go follow up this yeah. robbery. And so they get the robbery and, and, and Alex is a little suspicious of the sort of what's been done. Uh, do we have the judges? Because once the Salome connection is there, there's got to be something going on, mm -hmm. right? And and something bad going on. This guy has to have done something evil. Yeah, and that's when and they he, dig into yeah. the. You're right, and that's when they so dig into the thing into, that had happened the year previously. Well, they dig. They that, that's when Alex, rather than just accepting the robbery, says, "Okay, pull his, go back to the robbery." Pull all of his phone calls. Yeah. And that's when they find the phone call and they're all standing around and somebody says, well, why don't you just call it? Because they can't figure out what the number is. It's a mobile and it's not. You are jumping yeah. past one thing, though. Okay. Uh, you are jumping past one thing because uh, we, we both are, in fact, because we've okay. forgotten one thing, which is they... Um, <laughs> We did. No, we forgot what to mention one thing, which is they're like, we know now that they've made the connection to the religious crimes and the Salome, they're like that priest, the priest we talked to when we were at the church who was talking about sin and punishment. Like this is exactly the kind of person they would go to, right? To, um, yeah. They, right, and, they, and so they went to, they went to, a, and they went to interrogate him thinking he was the head of the cult, but before they could get to him, he dove in with a millstone around his neck. This actually happened before they find all the pictures of the various saints, because they find that the mills, uh, when they're looking over the pictures of the various saints, or was during the whole saint investigation, actually, because yeah. when they're going over the pictures of the saints, Tony's like, oh my God, one of the martyred saints was martyred by ha being executed by having a millstone tied around his neck and thrown in a river. And That's so this guy has, exactly. And so he's like, this guy was just another victim of the cult. He wasn't the leader of the cult. And so then, uh, because you got to remember the next And killer, then they find the seven, the number seven yeah, keeps coming Because uh, over and over again with the nails and the other crimes, and they're like, and he's like, there's going to be seven 
uh, people involved in this. And we don't have, we don't have enough yet. We got three left. Yeah. We got three left to worry about. And what gets interesting here is they then, um, they go, uh, we cut out the part where they went to check on the sex worker and they talk to her, um, her her prison girlfriend. Yeah. Who, uh, explains that she was recruited to a, um, she was recruited to a, uh, a Bible study course. Right. Yeah. And so she, they broke up cause she was recruited to a Bible study course and she's like, I tried to go, but the creep in charge of it was clearly like aroused and aroused by all of his talk of bloodshed and pleasuring himself while he was preaching. And she found it disgusting. And she's like, but the people listening to him couldn't see it. Yeah. And, and she told her girlfriend and then her girlfriend wouldn't talk to her anymore. Exactly. And, and so and they that have, now they have the two priest. leads. Yeah. yeah. But that's the priest. Right. No, no, no. It's not the priest because they get the description that he was a short, pudgy American. Yeah. And again, I know that like there's only one, like the audience knows there's only one American in this story, but I understand why Tony doesn't immediately jump to that guy he knows. Yeah. But the audience at this point has no excuse for not knowing who the killer is. But there was another woman in the study group. And that's who they're, and we see that woman planning with the killer who remains off camera at this point, planning with the killer to assemble, assembling a bomb. And this is when we get to the point of who did he call in the night in question? Let's just call the number. And they call and it's the private cell phone of their boss. Yeah. Of their boss. And And he's like, don't call me in the private cell phone. He's like, no, this is about the judge. And he's like, I told you not to talk to me about that. And there's a ring on the door and we know he's about to get blown up. Yes. And they yell at him to warn him. And he hears just enough of the warning that he shuts the door and moves away as the bomb goes off, almost killing him. It is, it is quite a dramatic scene. (laughs) Given the roundabout way we're talking about this episode, don't be, you're going to have to go watch it. Yeah. If you haven't watched it already, we're sorry, but yeah. It's it not is, as, it's not as gory as some of the other episodes. Sound, as it, and it, and as it sounds based on how disturbed we were by the guy being impaled. But, oh, well, all of them and and the fire and yeah. the you know, I mean, what was done to these, but as I said it was just it's medieval. Yeah. That's what I try to explain to people, jeez. But now but anyway, so now they talk, they talk to their boss and he tells them how he covered it up, right? Yeah. But the problem is they're out of leads. The boss doesn't know who would have known about this, right? They don't have any connection. The guy who ran the study group, you know, you had to give a little, uh, you know, passport size photo of yourself with it. But the guy pulled this amazing trick where he covered the photo with uh, a bit of like an acid. So the photo looks fine. But if you come back and look at the photo two weeks later, it's completely black. Yeah. Which is a hell of a trick. And as he said, like by two weeks, as they say, by two weeks later, that's just sitting in a file somewhere. So no one's ever going to check it again unless there's a problem. So, yeah, it's a really good plan on his part. Yeah. So they they don't know. They don't have a visual for him. Yeah. And Tony and checks in on his it. Tony checks in on his friend and his friend. Uh, he manages to find him. Right. Uh, working with the homeless. And he's like, I gave up everything because there's people who need more help than I do. And he's and he's working for the Salvation Army. Yep, and he's working. So the, for the Salvation, Salvation Army, Army, this group he's working for, isn't. Yeah. And then, then this is where we get the line about the hole in the heart. Yeah, exactly. 
like you've got to fill it with something and he's decided to help the homeless and i'm like oh okay yeah that sounds good and tony <laughs> sounds good and tony doesn't have much he can do there no there's not much to say he's helping the homeless and he seems to be fine and it doesn't look as if he's yeah you know falling apart or anything like that he's just doing good mm-hmm. and but tony may and finally tony I'm makes still a still too happy yeah not okay, just, but, but Tony finally makes the connection, not just to the fact that these were all the deaths of martyrs, but to they are all recreating famous paintings of the deaths of martyrs. Yeah. And, and so he, he goes off to the art history class. Yep. And, and that's where it's, it's just like, oh, my God. And he because the guy is look is is looking at the Caravaggio paintings. Yep. And it is the one of. John the Baptist. Yeah. I think so, that bring showing. me the head of John the Baptist, whatever he called the painting. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Car- Caravaggio. Oh, Caravaggio. I'm not saying like beautiful art of the most upsetting stuff you can imagine. Look, it's, it's when I, when I teach medieval, which I haven't done in a long time. Yeah. Because we're not doing it at our department, but I do do this one section and I use the, um, because my husband brought back, had a whole bunch of postcards yeah. from the church in San Jim, Jimmy, San Jim, Jimiano right. in Italy. And they are unbelievable in this church. The mm-hmm. violence yeah. of yeah. all of these, um, they are paintings of the seven deadly sins. And they are the grossest form of the most violent pornography you would ever see. Violent pornography you would have ever seen. It is just, and this is, and then I go, I said, and you, you have to understand that this is in churches where people went to worship. Yeah. Every week, every, some some people go in every day to see mass surrounded by this celebration of brutality. Celebration of pornography of violent pornography of nudity and violence right in front of you like it is oh you can't imagine it's troubling it's troubling yeah troubling (laughs) to say the least that is the nicest word i can use that is the nicest word you can use yeah and it is it is horrendous i think of the children who were in that church Every, you know, every it week normalizes, of their lives, it normalizes this. It normalizes violence. It really does. You wonder why violence and we could get so off on. Well, we're not going to talk about, you know, all the stuff that led to how casually fascists are able to murder people. But the church helped. Okay. The church helped. That's what we'll say today. And we'll leave it at that. Look, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, this, this kind of thing. Yeah. Is just because um, it's not just the stories. The visual normalizing of this brutality yeah, matters. It's, it's not the just the story. That was the way that you told the stories. Yeah, because people weren't particularly literate. It actually doesn't have the same. It can if you are a visualist. If you can make pictures mm-hmm. in your head. You don't want to read this stuff. Well, but no, I think part of it is, and I mean, nobody could read at the time, but I I always think about it this way. If you are reading a book and you are creating images in your head, it gives you a chance to decide what those images mean and change them. 
but yeah. by having by by building all of their preaching around the paintings you are getting to define what lives in people's heads well plus they are depictions so much of it is pictures of martyrs yep and pictures well and the picture of course uh, of of John the Baptist's head mm-hmm. and Salome and all of this there's so much of this that is biblical or just early early christianity because the how many say, people friggin come to their conclusion that women's sexuality is inherently evil because they grew up with this friggin picture of salome every saturday oh, sorry every sunday yeah women well and and it's it's um yeah because it's i mean you can talk about the story of adam and eve but i think that painting did a hell of a lot more to make it real Oh yeah, there's there's all sorts, but there's a reason why the, why Peter Brown came down with his term. The church was built on the cult of the martyrs. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not, it's wrong. not even I mean, a little inaccurate. Like that's just and true. All you have to read is the stories of the early martyrs and what the hor- the horrible torture that the Romans put them through. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and yeah. and. Never mind. I mean, perpetual infelicity. I mean, what, are, uh, are for the love of God, like, um, oh God, who's, who's I'm, I'm blanking on the name. The square, you know, the the square and the pole. Um, you know, the saint. It's right outside the church, right the 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 basilica in the Vatican that the Pope lives next to. The stylus. You mean what the are you giant talking? tower of the saint who was killed in the Colosseum, and they moved it to. And they moved it to the Vatican. How am I blanking on this guy's name? This is so embarrassing. Anyway, the giant, I mean, the the giant circle, the, the, the giant circle in the Vatican, the Pope's apartments are right next to the giant basilica. And outside of it is a big, is a big, you know, circular area all built around this tower that was in, like, that was in the Colosseum where, you know, the where the Pope was tortured and killed. And now it is like the heart of, it is like the very center of the, uh, the Vatican and Catholicism is always remembering this, this Pope that got murdered. And it's very embarrassing that I'm blanking on his name. You're talking about St. Peter's square. Yes, St. Peter's square. Yes. Thank you. God. Okay. I'm just that going took me way too long. Thank you. St. Peter's square. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because he was killed in the Colosseum, and then they, and in the well, Colosseum, suppose, yes, supposedly, yeah. but the point is, in the Colosseum, there was this giant Egyptian column that they had looted from Egypt and brought back, like this thousands of year old column, and so they took it out of the Colosseum, and they built the center of Vatican City around it while adding new carvings to make the col- to make it a tribute to St. Peter, and yeah. then that's the Basilica. So yes, the martyrdom is the core of the story. And it starts with Jesus. And so everyone becomes close to Jesus and becomes parts, becomes part of Jesus's story by having their own stories of martyrdom. You know, like being, you know, being as Christ was, isn't just being peaceful and blah, blah, blah. It's getting killed by your persecutors because you refuse to deny God. Like it's all part of the story. Anyway, uh, we have gone down quite a journey. Yeah, but yeah, the point we're, is, we're, we're at the end of the episode because Tony brings this guy in for questioning and he refuses to give up who his final uh, killer is. But yeah. like Tony knows and he's very frustrated. Tony knows 
based on the obsession and based on this guy's love of uh, like his having the beat. No, this guy also and... talks. Tony interviews him. Yeah. As well, Alex goes in and doesn't get. Tony goes in and starts to just talk to him. Yeah. And then he gets the guy to start talking the religious stuff, and he starts talking about the hole in the heart, and he and starts like, talking about what the I rapture. Heard. And Tony's eyes go, "That's what I okay. heard from my patient." Jesus, my patient is the he's is been the recruited. Last. He's the seventh one, and so now they've got to find where this guy's located. Yeah, and that's <laughs> difficult, and it's but. very difficult because we have this horrific thing. Uh, but Tony like tries to think what is important to this guy? What would he do? Like he's, he's going to end the world. He's a biochemist. He's a biochemist. So they assume he's going to get a play. He would have stolen a plague and he's going to end the world, or at least yep. he thinks he is and restart. And then he starts thinking about the place where he saw him and how it was when he tried to kill himself. He did it at a place where he was sitting up uh, till, uh, on top of a building watching children play in a schoolyard across the street Yep, because that gave him some line of peace. And he's like, I remember that being so important to him. That's where he would do it. And so he rushes back to the rooftop and he finds him there and they have a conversation about how society is too corrupt. I, we have to end it. We have to stop everybody and give everyone to Christ, have our, you know, our rapture of everyone and we'll rebuild a more beautiful society in the future. So he has taken a modified bubonic plague and put it in a bunch of bird feed, uh, bird seed, and is going to have the pigeons spread it all across the country, which is terrifying. And Tony once again proves that he's a hell of a therapist. Yeah. And he manages to sell the idea that it's like that, you know, this isn't right, that you can't give up, that you can't condemn people. And the guy accepts it, but he can't he can't go on feeling this way. And he throws himself off the building. Yeah. And meanwhile, this is where the guy is. Uh, we cut that between the <laughs> this and the guy strangling himself with pictures of the Bible, which is why we get Tony's punchline in the episode. He never should have had a Bible in the first place. Yeah. Because it's too dangerous for a man of his insanity to be able to play with this imagery and, you know, ideas of this power. And and this is all kicked off, kicked like the kicker on all of this, the brutal, uh, like the brutal final thought on this theme that the whole show has been building up to. You didn't realize it is that Alex's son has been talking about his play. Yeah. And, and the play is the story of Noah and yeah. Tony goes as, as Alex's date to the play. And the play is the story of Noah and we, the audience are sitting here and thinking, this is the story you tell, tell children, a story about how the world is so corrupt that God killed everyone and started over that humanity wasn't worth, like, wasn't worth say, uh, was basically not worth saving. So everybody died except for one family who had to start over and you real, and you have this like, Oh God, this all, this corrosive stuff, this stuff that leads to all of this horror, man, do they get them young. It's, it's such a, it's such a sad, it's such a sad and horrifying ending. Yes. And understand that, you know, Noah, Noah sexually abused his son, Laham, 
Yeah. So, you know, later on. Yep. <laughs> Not that that's made clear. No, but, but it's, it's, I mean, you read Pam it. Pam knew his father. Of course, his father was drunk. Yep. But knew his <laughs> father. Yeah. Think is, of is, how the term knew gets used. Like they were already father and son. You figure out what they meant by that. It ain't hard. And so Ham gets banished, and then, then, yep. then in American, this weird Schofield American evangelicalism, that gets turned out to Ham committed this horrible sin. Yep. And then he was the father of the black race, and yep. that's why the, it's okay to have blacks as slaves. Yeah, it's don't 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 <laughs> underestimate the power the idiot, of this. the power of and the idiocy of doing this to children. Mm-hmm. I know it's disgusting. Anyway, it's, it's I truly it, it, disgusting. It's just, uh, but yeah, so again, why we're all over the place. With maybe, this maybe the episode hit us harder because of our feelings about American evangelicalism. But I think like it is the person who wrote this, whatever group the of people wrote this, knew that world so well that they knew to end it with the story of Noah. Yeah. Because the story of Noah is so vital to this. Yeah. It's so vital to the corruption of American evangelicalism and the idea that murder's fine if you're doing it for God cuz God kills everybody, you know? Like it's it's so key to so many of these problems. It's it's a brilliant episode. It is a brilliant episode. Oh, no, from beginning to end it works. Yeah. It works better for us because we understand all the nuances and we've been talking all over the place and probably everybody's trying to figure (laughs) out what the plot was, right? Yeah. But you do have all of these. But you're right. Like, it is is also just a great episode of television. Yeah. But all these people are killed. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And uh, they are, they have committed sins. They become martyrs to this new world. Yeah. Is what it is. He is right? going to trigger his own chemical, biological weapon rapture. You yeah, know? and Tony convinces, but there's all these children and everything else, yeah. and they have. But now here's something interesting that now that I brought up, but Sam I just Jim, I just find it so insane that he uses at the same time that he's and again it's brilliantly constructed that uh, that it's like that he uses the innocence of children to convince this guy not to do it. Right. Because he knew he would go back there because he wanted somebody to stop him. Yeah. The same that he wanted someone to stop him from killing himself. Well, and killing all of these. And all of the children. Exactly. Right. But to then say that and now watch children being corrupted by this exact same message that led to all of this horror. Oh, okay. Now I am going to bring something up. I started watching. I started reading. Um the Tony and, and Carol books books yeah. from the beginning. And right at the beginning of Mermaid Singing, which I guess I had never read. Right. I've only seen the episode. Okay. Um, but that's the first book. And um Wow, she was way in advance on Jimmy Savile if that was the first book. That was the first book. Not only have, no, the second book. The second book is the Jimmy Savile book. Sorry, because yeah. if Mermaid Singing was the first book, then that means the Jimmy Savile book was like two years later, and it was still okay. the nineties. But but you'll never guess where our transsexual yeah got all of 
his ideas, his her, her ideas, their ideas. You can say her. That's how that's how she identifies. Yeah, she did identify yep, as her. One hundred percent. But anyway, uh, I'm guessing the passions of saints. No, Sanji and J- Jimmyano. Seriously? Seriously, went that's to went, and went to the museum and saw all, all the of the implements oh at the museum God. at San Jimmy. J- oh my god that's so perfect i mean mean, talk about something fitting in with with this episode perfect honestly now that i hear that it wouldn't shock me if that had ended up in the head of whoever wrote it like they had read that book and remembered that part and it ended up in their head as they were coming up with this episode yeah wow that's perfect so yeah um i was just like Okay. This is this is an incredible episode. <laughs> it works on every level. And again, just that that montage of all of the killers represented as the paintings. Yeah. With this beatific smile on their faces. On their faces. Oh yes. my god. It's 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 magnificent. It is a magnificent sequence. Yes, they didn't commit suicide. They were martyrs. They were martyrs and they became saints in this new church. Yeah. Oh, but it's a beautiful episode. It's a brilliant episode. It's as good as the show, I, as good as I've seen the show be. Like yeah. I said, I don't remember if there's an episode being this. I do remember really enjoying, you know, Wire in the Blood, the movie, but... It's a, I'm going to be very surprised if we get an episode better than this episode. Because, I mean, it's every part of it hits so hard and it's so true to Tony. And it lets us know so much about Tony as a person, about the fact that at the end of the day, he can never have there be an easy answer. There can't. Well, it's not just that there can't be an easy answer, that life just has to be lived. You have to keep living life. Always, no matter no what. No matter what. But we never get any interest. It like it's really interesting that the show does manage to avoid why he is like this. Yeah. I know. And I mean, yes, I'm sure it goes back to his childhood. I'm sure some oh, of that's in the books. Yes. And when I read the books after I'm done watching the show, we're gonna have some conversations about that, believe me. Yeah. Uh we might do more wire in the blood episodes after I start reading the books. We but, might. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if that happens. Yeah. But yeah, so just a magnificent episode of television. Just magnificent. All right. Okay. Uh so I guess that's that. Now let's briefly talk about the trailer for Criminal Minds Evolution. Okay. Um I'm we sorry. both just what we both we watched literally it for both the just first watched time. it for the first time right before we started this just before we started to do this so it's all fresh in our minds <laughs> and um I'm excited I don't mind saying I'm excited uh this is going to be interesting <laughs> uh what are your initial thoughts I mean I I no I think okay here's my initial thoughts please let me give my initial thoughts go go go. I think it's a very interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I think someone has come. It's pretty original. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um, will they be able to pull it off in 10 episodes? Well, what I love. Well, no. And that's the thing. I don't know if they can pull it off in 10 episodes. But what we talked about, what we predicted is completely true. They've taken 
the they've taken the premise that they never executed before and they found a justification in the pandemic yes to make that like brilliant that is a brilliant connection because like the whole idea of this distributed serial killing is something they kept trying to do and kept failing at and now they have the perfect justification for it yeah they couldn't serial killers didn't couldn't find anybody to kill. Yeah. So they had <laughs> to, the they had to come, they get together on the dark web and they shared their fantasies and they strategized how they were all going to get away with it together. Once this was all over. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that's a great. And they, they tell you that up like in the trailer. No, it's in the trailer. We're not spoiling yeah. any. If you watch no, the no. trailer, that's all yeah. in there. Yeah. It's on YouTube. That's Just a fantastic it. premise. Yeah. Yeah. No, it it is a fantastic premise, whether they're going to pull it off. How can um, we know? You know, <laughs> like, how can we know? We'll find out we soon enough. Yes. Um, you know, there's there's a few there's a few little clips mm-hmm. about how they get Penelope back. I'm so um, glad Penelope. I mean, I, there was never any question that Penelope was coming back, obviously. Yeah. But I'm so glad Penelope, like seeing her coming back. Will she and Luke be a couple? Let's find out, you know? Yeah. Can't wait to find out. Uh, but yeah, like Penelope's coming back. Uh, Joe has lost some weight. Someone, yes. I saw some comments uh, about how old he looks. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what happens when you lose a bunch of weight. It, it, <laughs> it, yeah, it maybe does, that, it does maybe, maybe I'll start to lose my age when I lose a lot of weight. Yeah, gain your age back, you mean. Gain my age back, yeah. Because <laughs> you look way lo- younger than you are. But, yeah. you know, that's the weight. And that's just how everybody is. But, yeah, uh, Joe Montaigne has lost some weight since we last saw him. And so he looks like he's aged more than he actually has in the two years since we last saw him. Also, he's finally just fully gray. As, yeah. thank heavens, is Emily Prentice. Love yeah, well, that they didn't happy. make her. Yeah, she that they didn't make her dye her happy she was. Yeah. yeah, they didn't make her... Get rid of her hair. Yeah, I think that was a really smart move. Yeah. I think she looks great. I cannot wait to see how they play this. Now, um, sadly, we can't get make any guesses about the actual plot because it's literally just that thing where they're like, here's a bunch of bodies. Here's a line of dialogue about how scary this is. Here's a bunch of bodies. Here's, he's got a plan. Here's a bunch and of here's, bodies. They've been playing us all this time. time. You know, just all of this stuff. Like, this is all part of their play. Like, you know, the generic trailer stuff. It's the stuff you yeah. love. It's the stuff yeah. we can't wait to find out what it means when we see the show. But it's like, yeah, no I'm so here. glad. I am yeah. so glad that the trailer didn't didn't give us any clues to how it's going to be solved or any of those sorts of things. Any of the details. Yeah. Any details. You know, you, you see the trunk. They're all staring in horror in the trunk of a car. Yep. And, and we see a uh, person being kept inside of a uh, tortured inside of a shipping container. We see a guy, you know, yeah. sneaking up on a woman in her house. Like we've got all these little cue- clues about where this is going, but we've got nothing concrete. And I am, I'm here for the ride, everybody. I am well, yeah, so excited to see where this goes. <laughs> we're here for the ride. Uh, we've always been here for the ride, but yeah, if you haven't watched the trailer yet, absolutely make sure you watch the trailer. It's totally worth it. It's so thrilling. I'm so happy to see everybody back. Uh, I mean, it's sad. You know, I didn't, I, I never would have predicted that I was going to be sad that, you know, Matt's off doing Wheel of Time, but I'm sad that Matt's off doing Wheel of Time. It would be nice to have everybody back, you know? I get that they couldn't get everybody back, but it'd be nice. I mean, no matter how many times we talked, we joked about Matt being completely redundant. 
it would have been nice to get a, the whole gang back, you know? Well, yes, and you haven't talked about the most missing character, so. Well, no, I mean, there's, we all know Spencer Reed's not going to be there. Like, yeah. if, by the way, if Spencer Reed shows up and it's like, they have managed to keep that secret from us, that would be the greatest present we could possibly get. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. I do not think that that is what has happened. Okay, don't get your hopes up. That didn't happen, but like he's not mentioned, he's not referenced. There's no reason to believe we're going to be seeing Spencer Reed, and it's it's a tragedy. We want him back, okay? We all want him back. Yeah, because we like, saw them all sitting around the table. The table, and Reed wasn't there, and no empty chairs. Uh, no empty chairs. You know, no empty chairs. They didn't leave a chair for Reed, and I get it, but we miss you, <laughs> like. We get it, but we miss you. Is that is that the nicest way to say yeah, it? Yeah, that's the way to look at it. You know, we completely understand, but we just, we miss you and we want you back because you're so integral to what we love about the show. And you didn't start out that way. You can go and you can listen to our discussion of 15 seasons of that show and watch us be incredibly frustrated by the character of Spencer Reed over and over and over again until like five years in, you're like, oh my God. They're building, like, whether they know it or not, they are building something here. And we and have been they watching didn't do the it growth. well, so they mustn't have not known they were doing it. And yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like there, there are reasons to think they didn't know what they had with Spencer Reed and they didn't yeah. realize, like, the fascinatingly broken man that they had built. Yeah. And we know that, we know that they've known they could have made it even more effective than it was. But at the end of the day, there's a reason we ended our, you know, the first phase of this podcast. Phase two starts in two weeks. How crazy yeah. is that? But like phase two of the phase one of this podcast ended with us spending two full hours just talking about Spencer Reed. Nobody yeah. else got that kind of a conversation. And no, there were some that, that we would have preferred not to talk about at all. But anyway. Oh, Derek Morgan. Yeah, poor Derek. Poor Derek. The character who could have been the most fascinating journey. Yeah, who could have had the most fascinating, fascinating journey of any of them. Yeah. And they didn't give it to him. They refused to give it to him. And I don't think he wanted it either. No, he probably didn't. He probably didn't. But man, did he have two incredible episodes. Oh, yeah. I'm not, you know, as as I said, this is nothing on Shamar Moore as a... Actor. As, a, yeah. as an actor. He made his choices for what he wanted his character to be and the stories they wanted to tell and for whatever reason. But you know what? Like, this is not about him as an actor. This is about Derek Morgan as a character who is just straight trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's just straight trash. Yep. He's a bad person. He's the he's the one that your mama worried you about. about. <laughs> and I mean, and the the thing is, and the amazing thing about, you know, Derek Morgan, you've heard us talk about on the show is because they gave us profile or profiled, you can't just hate him. You have to pity him. Yes. You have to know you're sitting here with the knowledge that all of this is a cover because he refuses to deal with his abuse. Yeah. Like, damn. There you go. All right. Yep. It's anyway, the point is Stop. Criminal Minds is a much better show, even when it was bad. It's the most interesting show. Well, it's interesting in part because it, I think for us, it's interesting because it had so much potential yeah. 
And every now and then it would come come through with something and you would hope and then your hopes would be dashed. It <laughs> wasn't that long before your hopes were dashed again. Yeah. But that's okay. And then we got Beyond Borders, which was which was the, uh, the nail in the coffin yeah. of horror. <laughs> and um it's um Yeah. Uh you know, you know, by the way, here's something I haven't done. Uh, maybe you've already told me. I haven't gone to IMDb to check if Josh Stewart's going to be in any episode. Yes. Oh, no, no. I got a tweet. Oh, okay. Good. Josh is going to be there. Oh, thank God. Yes, Whew. I didn't tell you. See, that's probably one of those things I meant to tell you one of those times okay. where I said, oh, there's something else I need to talk. And we just forgot because we started remember. talking about something else. Yeah. Yeah. Happens to were. us. It's not just in our podcast that we get ridiculously digressive. <laughs> Happens in our real lives, too. Uh, but anyway uh yeah uh so i gotta say like since the moment they announced criminal minds was coming back we've been very excited and seeing and again seeing this trailer just has me so excited seeing everybody back has me so excited i cannot wait to be back talking about new episodes of criminal minds you see here's 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 although this is my experience at the same time is going yeah, but I'm just going to be disappointed again. I hope to God I'm not. But, Me too. You know. but let's find out. You know, I'm I'm always <laughs> oh, ready I'm to give them a chance. I'm always ready to give them a chance. Yep. yep always. Yep. And again, well, it's we... a great premise. Now, here's yes. I'm going to predict something that I'm going to do. Uh, and I'm just going to get this complaint out of the way now. Uh, you will hear this complaint again, but just get yourself ready. Uh, <laughs> Criminal Minds Evolution. Set in a beautiful fantasy world where America actually locked down. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, serial killers don't have time finding any victims during the pandemic because they could just go to Texas. <laughs> and Oklahoma and Mississippi. And, and then Florida. Escape. Where the governor would friggin' give them a tax credit for moving to the state and doing their serial killing there. <laughs> you know it's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I know Criminal Minds doesn't have the guts to do it, but it's like, <laughs> if they had the guts, if one of the killers was a serial killing cop, that like Ron DeSantis lured to Florida because cops have no oversight in Florida. Tell me that wouldn't be the best episode ever. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop being political now. Stop it. Stop. stop <laughs> well, it'll stop. be, it'll be back soon enough. Um, we've got, uh, we've got the 24th. So 24th, what? 19, 19 days 19 away. Days. Well, four days before days. my beloved Devin me comes out. I know it's exciting. The countdown has started. We're going to try to have the episodes up the day after it airs. So we're going to do our best. It yeah. might be two days, but we're going to do our best. All right. So if you have uh, any questions, any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you want us to check out, <laughs> drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. If you're listening to this on an app or podcatcher, uh, <laughs> please rate and review. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here next week for more Wire in the Blood as we get super psyched for Criminal Minds return. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir.
in one of our lengthier episodes. <laughs> I know. Well, we had memory. 20 minutes of Criminal Minds to do after. We knew we were going to have 20 minutes of Criminal Minds to do after the episode. And I mean, <laughs> if, if it were any other episode, we could have cut Tony short. But this was not that episode. <laughs> anyway, anyway, have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.